0: all aboard the history express my name is donnie hazel and i am your host to all my original listeners welcome back to all my new listeners welcome we hope you'll enjoy this episode of the history express podcast so sit back relax and enjoy
1: This is a story about power, love, triumph, tragedy and honour. At the end of the 19th century, the Danish king Christian IX and his queen Louisa succeeded in marrying their six children into the leading European royal families and Christian IX thus became known as the father-in-law of Europe. Today his descendants are all over Europe. And these royal descendants have, quite exceptionally, chosen to come together and talk about their family's incredible story, a tale that they know from letters and diaries, and from the stories that have been passed down to them through the generations. In addition, the family has also made private photos and films available, many of which have never been shown publicly. When the father-in-law of Europe invited his children, his sons and daughters-in-law, and his grandchildren to Denmark every summer, they came without fail, and from places as varied as England,
2: Russia, and Greece. The whole royal families of Europe used to assemble in Frenzburg, and uh, the story goes that they were walking through the park, and they met an elderly gentleman who was lost. And he asked, uh, how does one get out of this park? And the king said, just follow us. And he noticed this very happy family joking and laughing. and when they came out of the park, he thanked them and said, "Who have I the pleasure of talking to?" And the king said, "Well, I'm the king of this country, and uh, that's my eldest son, the Crown Prince, that's my second son, the King of uh, Greece, that's my grandson, Count Prince Konstein, and then that's my daughter, the Queen of England, and that's my other daughter, the Empress of Russia, and my third daughter, the Dutch of Cumberland. And the man was very happy, and he took his hat off and he said, and "My name is Jesus Christ," and walked off.
1: In the following programs we'll look in detail at Christian IX's children and their spouses and we'll follow their descendants down through to today where they can be found in practically all of Europe's royal houses. But now we're going to meet three children who all had a major influence on European history. They were born at almost the same time and they later became famous as Queen Victoria of Great Britain, Tsar Alexander II of Russia, and King Christian IX of Denmark. The story begins in 1818 at the German castle Gottorp. Little Prince Christian has just been born, and nobody has the slightest idea that he will one day become king of Denmark and go on to be known as the father-in-law of Europe.
3: Prince Christian of Glücksburg, who became Christian IX, and who is my great-great-grandfather, was a young prince uh, out of a German but also very much Danish-related family. It was an enormous family and they had no money.
1: Christian is the sixth child in a large family which over the next few years will come to consist of no less than 10 healthy children. Due to financial constraints, Christian's parents live with his mother's family at Gottorp Castle near Schleswig.
4: But they will soon have a place of their own. The Duke of Glücksburg dies leaving no heirs. The castle and the dukedom is then,
5: so to speak, available to King. Frederick VI of Denmark. In a document,
1: Frederick VI transfers ownership of the dilapidated castle to his brother-in-law, Christian's father, and establishes the younger Glücksborg's ducal line, which 40 years later will be known and recognized in all of Europe. following year, there is much joy in the great power in Britain when a little girl is born in Kensington Palace. The girl, Victoria, has been born in unusual circumstances.
6: George IV, her uncle, had only one daughter, Princess Charlotte, who died in childbirth. So suddenly, George IV realized that there was no heir to the throne, no child. So he asked all his brothers to drop the old mistresses and illegitimate children, because they were everywhere illegitimate children and mistresses and to marry quickly, and to have a prince or a princess. So they all obliged rushed to Germany, found German princesses not extremely beautiful, but, I mean, they could still have children, and it was a race who would have the first child
1: three brothers married at the same time. Yet it is the middle brother, the Duke of Kent, who first produces a healthy child. He has married a princess from the house of saxe coburg and together they produce a daughter, Victoria.
6: When she uh, was born, they were starting to have a colonial empire, uh, not much. When she died, she was ruling over half of, half of the world.
1: Princess Victoria in Britain, Prince Christian in Germany and Grand Prince Alexander in Russia are born in a time when the Industrial Revolution is beginning to spread from Great Britain to the rest of Europe. It is a development that brings prosperity to those that own the mines and the factories and hard times for the many workers.
6: The childhood of Queen Victoria was very unhappy because she had no brothers and sister, because her father died just after her birth, and her mother was not very kind with her. She didn't like her.
1: I can remember crawling on a yellow carpet spread out for that purpose and being told that if I cried and was naughty, my uncle would hear me and punish me, for which reason I always screamed when I saw him. age 13, Victoria starts to keep a detailed diary, which she will continue with for the rest of her life. At 14, she describes her first royal ball. The doors were opened, and the king leading me went into the ballroom. I danced in all eight quadrilles. We came home at half past 12. I was very much amused. Among other things, the princess sketches the ballet dancer Marie Taglioni, whom she is fascinated by. Taglioni is the first dancer to complete an entire ballet on point. This happens during a performance of La Sylphide, which hails the start of the Romantic era in ballet. Victoria grows up so overprotected that she's not even allowed to
5: go up a staircase without holding someone by the hand. She uh, remained in the same room as her mother until she was about, in fact, until she got engaged when she was 17 or something. Not only in the same room, but in the same bed. Uh, And uh, it was quite a restrictive upbringing.
1: in st petersburg completely unaware of the fate that awaits him grand prince alexander grows up in the anichkov palace and before the boy has even started to speak properly his father attempts to teach him drill
3: alexander had a very um tough childhood it was very austere and run to a, a military regime and the poor boy had to do exercises and was treated like some well, somebody much older and he had a miserable time and never forgot how badly treated he was as a child.
1: Alexander's uncle, the Tsar, dies suddenly in 1825. And because there are problems with the line of succession, seven-year-old Alexander receives a shock when he discovers that his father has agreed to let himself be proclaimed as Russia's new Tsar, Nikolai I for this means that the little boy is now next in line to rule the enormous Russian Empire. Prince Christian and his family move into Glucksborg Castle.
7: He never thought of becoming a king. It was not in the line of the family. Uh, So he had a very, very normal life
0: very quiet house full of siblings Christian's childhood is far from boring
1: and according to his brother Prince Hans he and Prince Christian often got a thick buttered slice of bread to eat between meals when they were feeling hungry we stood on either side of the doorway and when our sister Louisa came in we slapped the
0: buttered bread onto her cheeks castle's toilets are built onto the outside of
1: the building, and as they are open, everything drops directly down to the fish in the moat.
3: These loos were very well liked by the boys, and they were shooting the fish out of the loo, and then they were going down with the boat and collecting the fish, enjoying to bring it home, and having it perhaps cooked for themselves.
0: At 18, Christian takes up a
1: captain's commission in the cavalry and moves into a very modest official residence in Horse Guards Barracks.
3: Frederick VI looked after him quite a lot. He didn't live with the royal family, but he came regularly, and Frederick VI was very fond of him. Uh, That is certainly one of the reasons why he, so to speak, was worked into the seam of the royal family.
1: Shortly after Victoria's 18th birthday, her uncle, the king, dies. At 6 in the morning, the princess is fast asleep when her mother comes and wakes
6: her. And she said, quickly, put your dressing on and go downstairs. And Victoria, the not knowing but guessing what happened, and she came downstairs and she saw the Prime Minister, Lord Melbourne, and the Archbishop of Canterbury, and then knelt in front of her and said, you are the queen.
1: I am very young, and perhaps in many, though not in all things, inexperienced. But I am sure that very few have more real goodwill and more real desire to do what is fit and right than I have.
6: She was surprised, frightened, but yet very... At once she took things in hand, and her mother wanted to interfere at once, say, you must do this, you must dress this way, you must do that. She said no now i rule the
1: eighteen-year-old queen victoria moves into buckingham palace which for the first time becomes the royal family's preferred residence in london and the coronation takes place the following year
0: christian was twenty years old uh, when he was sent by frederick VII to uh, queen victoria's coronation and he was very aware that she was looking for her husband because she was also his age and therefore he decides to buy uh, new clothes and hoping maybe that could be a sort of an eye-catcher for her. The coronation is a
1: success, but Christian has to accept the fact that he will not be Victoria's choice of husband. Despite the fact that she finds him attractive, it has already been decided who she will marry. The lives of Queen Victoria, Grand Prince Alexander and Prince Christian all change dramatically in the next three years. All of them marry. Victoria's uncle, King Leopold I of Belgium, is one of the few positive male role models she has been close to during her childhood.
7: Queen Victoria had a great respect for the political mind of her uncle and she always wrote to dear Uncle Leopold every single day to ask him about the way she should run the politics in uh, in Great Britain and he arranged her to meet Prince Albert who was his nephew.
1: 20-year-old Victoria wants to marry someone she loves and is therefore not pleased when a meeting is arranged between her and her German cousin, Albert. Yet the meeting results in everything falling into place and Victoria is not long in coming to a decision. She proposes. We embraced each other and he was so kind, so affectionate. I said I was quite unworthy of him. He said he would be very happy to spend the rest of his life with me. He seemed so happy that I really felt it was the happiest, brightest moment of my life. They are married in February 1840. 1838-39, the charming Russian Grand Prince Alexander spent 16 months traveling around, getting to know Western Europe. This journey brought him, among other places, to England, where he was the guest of Queen Victoria for three days. After which, he continued to Germany.
4: He was sort of shopping for a wife in Protestant Europe. Catholic princesses were too complicated marriages. And he passed by Darmstadt, but he was not supposed really to stop there because the only available princess, Marie, was really very young. She was 15, I think. But he saw her and said, that's the one I want. His father was furious, and his mother
1: broke down in tears. But Alexander had no doubts. The young couple exchanged vows in a ceremony at the Winter Palace in 1840. And the same evening, a so-called Polish ball is held, which lasts one hour. In Denmark, Prince Christian proposes to the beautiful Danish-German princess Louisa of Hessen.
3: She was in Copenhagen because her father and mother spent a very large part of the year in Copenhagen next to the royal family. And that's how they met, and its a it is, theirs was certainly a, a, an affair of the heart. It was not an arrangement, but it happened to be a very good arrangement, uh, from a dynastic p- point of view, from a political point of view, and certainly from a personal point of view.
1: as christian is still just a poor officer the wedding does not create a huge amount of interest frederick the sixth dies without leaving an heir he is thus succeeded by his cousin christian the eighth
3: by the time uh, christian the eighth was a king it was already getting a little bit dicey to put it in a modern way who would in the long run would take the succession uh, to the uh, Danish throne. King Christian VIII's son,
1: Frederick, who is meant to succeed his father to the throne, has a problem. He cannot have children. Thus the king has only one real choice, to transfer the line of succession to his sister, Princess Charlotte. She has two children, a son, Frederick, and a daughter, Louisa, who has just recently married Prince Christian. Friedrich is married to a Russian grand duchess, but when she dies in childbirth, he seeks comfort in his mistress, thus undermining his position as heir. Meanwhile, in the Duchy of Schleswig-Holstein, the Duke of Augustenburg is of the opinion that he ought to be the first in line to the Danish throne. Yet, as he has married beneath his position, the king chooses to
4: ignore his claims as well. Realizing that that is not to be and that only uh and a pretty poor and very modest prince, not even the oldest son of a pretty poor prince who was just put in place at Glücksburg, gets the whole loot, if you can say so. He revolts against it.
1: The origins of the three-year war, which breaks out in 1848, are extremely complex, but as it was later
3: said... There are only three people who know understand this question. One went mad, one is dead, and the third has forgotten all about it.
1: <laughs> as commander of the horse guards, Prince Christian is unreservedly on the side of the Danes, but his three older brothers are fighting for the enemy.
3: Christian was in the army in Denmark, so he had to be with the Danish people. And so it was very awkward for him and his brothers because it was really at the same time a brother war.
1: The Prussians support the rebels, but the Danes nonetheless managed to maintain their position until Russia forces Prussia to sue for peace in 1850. And Denmark comes away from the war victorious. Christian the is dead and his son Frederick VII is now Denmark's king. Denmark simultaneously receives a new constitution, which means that the king's absolute power has been replaced by a democratic process, in which the people get the right to vote. Two years later, the great powers recognized Prince Christian as heir to the Danish throne. However, the choice of Christian is not met with universal approval in Denmark.
3: By the time he became heir to the throne, we had had the, the uh, Slesi- First Slesi Wars of uh, 1848 to 1850. And of course, and at that, by that time, the, the, there was a great animosity toward anything that was remotely German in Denmark.
1: In Copenhagen, Prince Christian and Princess Louisa live modestly in the Yellow Palace alongside Amalienborg Palace. All six of their children are born whilst the family resides here. They are Frederick, Alexandra, Dalmar, Wilhelm, Tura,
7: and Valdemar. They had many children. (laughs) At that time, one always had many children. And they were also educated in a very normal way of life, like any other children who would have had to earn their own living. They had to make their own clothes.
1: It is their mother who has made the decision that the girls have to sew
3: their own dresses she would have probably seen to it that her children were well and becomingly dressed and probably also not too expensively. So that is the family home from which they all came. And that is, I suppose, is what to them seemed the wonderful background that they brought with them into all their more or less illustrious uh, positions in Europe in 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 the following generations.
1: In Great Britain, Queen Victoria is wonderfully happy with her husband, Prince Albert. So happy that they have no less than nine children. The family now spend most of the year at Windsor, and as well as being his wife's closest advisor, Albert is also a good father to his children.
3: And he took care of the children because he loved his children, and talked to them and taught them to much more than it was done in these days, you know, in the olden days they were always kept in their nurseries and so on very difficult to develop their own characters, especially in England, where everybody was told children are to be seen but not to be heard.
1: Throughout her life, Victoria has recorded her surroundings in drawings and paintings, and she produces many pictures of her children. And the boys all have to wear dresses until they're about six
6: years old. When Queen Victoria ascended the throne, the English monarchy was not at all well considered in Europe, because her uncles had accumulated so many scandals, and they were so debauched. <laughs> they were drunkards. They were debauched. They had debts. They had mistresses. They, one even, George IV, was big, bigamous. I mean, he was twice married at the same time that everyone considered the English monarchy as the last one. I mean, it was a, a horror and an a endless fountain of scandals.
1: However, Victoria, who does not do anything without first gaining her husband's permission, behaves quite differently.
6: She invented that style, the Victorian style, which is also a kind of ethic. It's a moral way of life, uh, very severe, very austere.
1: Great Britain and Russia have not experienced the revolutions and rebellions which, driven by famine and unemployment, have spread through the rest of Europe. Karl Marx, who is now living in London, has just published the Communist Manifesto, which ends with the words, Workers of the World Unite. As a result of a rapid industrial development, over half of Great Britain's population now live in cities. In 1851, Albert realizes his dream of holding the first World's Fair, the Great Exhibition. He's the driving force behind the building of the impressive Crystal Palace, which is constructed out of steel and glass. And Queen Victoria opens the exhibition on the 1st of May. The vastness of the building, with all its decorations and exhibits, and my beloved husband, the creator of this great peace festival, uniting the industry and arts of all nations of the earth. All this was indeed moving and a day to live forever. With over six million visitors, the great exhibition is a great success. He was a a great um,
0: uh, enthusiast. Uh, If you have a look at the things he's left behind, uh, if you look at the Albert Hall, and the whole area there, and all these museums, uh, the Natural History Museum, the Science Museum, that's all Prince Albert.
1: Compared to Great Britain, Russia is extremely backward. The economy is in a terrible state. The population is principally made up of peasants, the majority of which are illiterate. In 1855, Alexander is crowned as Tsar Alexander II.
0: When he ascended the throne, Russia was actually in a war, in the Crimea war, where he were fighting both the English and the Turks and the French.
1: Russia wishes to strengthen its position in the Balkans to secure access to the Mediterranean. But at the peace of 1856, Russia must take the role of the defeated party. Several hundred thousands have lost their lives in the fighting. The defeat and the country's massive poverty lead Alexander to concentrate all his energy on a radical reform program.
4: He was my favorite Tsar. The reason is quite simply because he was a uh, a Tsar looking for something to do for his people.
1: In England, immediately after the Crimea War, Queen Victoria writes to a self-sacrificing nurse who has drawn attention to herself by her care of the wounded, Florence Nightingale. It will be a very great satisfaction to me when you return at last to these shores to make the acquaintance of one who has set so bright an example to our sex. A couple of years later, Victoria's oldest daughter marries the Prussian Crown Prince and together they have a son, Wilhelm, who will later
3: become known as Kaiser Wilhelm II. He was her first grandchild, of course, which is very important, and I think she liked him very much, and he, he doted on her, and uh, he was not much loved by anybody in the, in the rest of the family, of course, because he was very difficult. He must have been a very difficult character.
1: It's also about time that a suitable match is found for Edward, their oldest son and heir to the throne. Victoria studies the photographs of a large number of German princesses, but is not impressed by what she sees. Danish Prince Christian, meanwhile, has a daughter.
0: Queen Victoria pointed her eye towards Denmark and found that uh, Alexandra was a very good, um, eligible young lady who was uh, suitable for, for Edward at that time. But nevertheless, he had also heard that the, um, the Russian court had the same uh, ideas or were are also in, um, in search for an heir. Victoria therefore
1: hurries to get hold of a picture of Alexandra. She studies the picture in detail, and even though she thinks that the princess's brow is a little low, and that her nose is a little too long, she is clearly a better choice than all the other candidates. But a tragic occurrence means that all plans of marriage are put on hold. Albert is just 42 years old when he dies from typhoid. I stood up, kissed his dear, heavenly forehead, and called out in a bitter, agonizing cry, Oh, my dear darling. And then dropped on my knees in mute, distracted despair, unable to utter a word or shed a
3: tear. It was a catastrophe to her. She was completely traumatized by the fact of, of, of losing her husband. She felt completely lost, and uh, I think she must have had terrible problems
5: when Prince Albert died in 1861 Queen Victoria went into deep mourning for the rest of her life and always wore black and um, uh, for the first two years after his death uh, life in in London and in England was very very somber and very quiet there were no parties there were no activities of any kind whatsoever When Alexander
1: II makes his name as the liberal tsar, the majority of the Russian population are peasants who live under slave-like conditions beyond the reach of the law.
4: In Russia, you, um, you could not sell slaves. So if I sold my little property with a hundred souls, as we said, to you, you were to take them and they could not leave you as they could not leave me. They were attached to the property. That was an obsolete system, and it had to be changed.
1: Alexander has decided to abolish serfdom, so that landowners can no longer own their peasants. The nobility is an uproar, but Alexander will not be moved. I'd rather liberate them from the top, than wait until they liberate themselves from the bottom. The year 1863 results in major changes in Prince Christian's life. His daughter Alexandra finally marries Edward, the heir to the British throne. The ceremony takes place in St George's Chapel at Windsor. But the thoughts of the British Foreign Secretary, a guest at the wedding, are elsewhere. The Greek throne has suddenly become vacant and the great powers cannot agree on whom to put forward as the new Greek king. Yet during the wedding reception, the foreign secretary catches sight of Princess Alexandra's 17-year-old brother, Prince Wilhelm, and a few weeks later, the Greek National Assembly elect him as their new king under the name of George I. Denmark is made up of three main parts. The actual Kingdom of Denmark and the duchies of Schleswig and Holstein. The old constitution states that the two duchies must always remain united. However, Frederick VII is keen on absorbing Schleswig into the kingdom proper, whilst letting Holstein remain a duchy under the Danish monarchy. Prince Christian, with his knowledge of the German way of thinking, meanwhile advises against such a change in the constitution.
0: He foresees that this will be a red rag uh, on, uh, on the German states, uh, which at the time were still 30 different uh, duchies and, and uh, kingdoms. Yet in 1863, the Danish
1: king gets the proposal approved, and catastrophe strikes. Frederick VII dies without having signed the official documents. And the 45-year-old Christian now succeeds as King Christian IX. He is immediately placed in a desperate situation. On the one hand, he fears the consequences of signing the new constitution.
0: But knowing that that if he didn't do it, uh, there would be a lot of turmoil at at home in Denmark, and uh, some even predicted that there would be a sort of major uprising.
1: Christian concedes after only three days and signs but he adds that he fears that the new constitution will lead the country into misfortune. The fateful signature immediately provides Prussia's newly appointed head of government, Bismarck, with a reason to declare war on behalf of the German Federation. The Austrian and Prussian troops move into Holstein and Schleswig on the 1st of February 1864. 57,000 men with breech-loading rifles and precision cannon completely overwhelm the modest Danish forces. The war ends later the same
4: year and Christian is in despair. To him it's a devastation of within his first year of reign he's lost a third of his country and the future is very very uncertain
1: after christian becomes king he moves from his modest home to a palace which consists of four nearly identical palaces
3: i think they got into the palace which we now call christian the ninth palace and which is actually the one which i'm living in now
5: they were uh, very simple and very humble and being the same with everybody they lived uh, at the royal palace uh, as anybody would, li- would live in a normal house, which means that they had uh, contact with everybody.
3: They were both remarkable people, not uh, particularly brilliant, neither Christina IX nor Queen Louise were brilliant people, but they were people who-, who knew what they stood for, and they were completely sound. They had no
6: uh, fancy ideas, uh, they were unassuming. Yet Queen Louisa has hidden talents. She always remained behind her husband, leaving him being uh, the king, the ruler. But she was, I think, the great personality and the mastermind behind politics, behind the monarchy, behind the family.
1: And Louisa is unusually fortunate at arranging good marriages for her children. Alexandra is already married off to the future king of Great Britain. And now her next daughter, Dalma is to marry Russia's coming Tsar, Alexander III. The sumptuous wedding is held in St Petersburg, yet the parents of the bride are not amongst the guests.
3: Christian IX and Queen Louise were unable to attend uh, their daughter's uh, wedding because they didn't have the the necessary money to give a big enough show amongst the other royal courts of um, Europe, and they felt it was better that they uh, stayed away.
1: In the Winter Palace, Daumar's in-laws are having problems. The Tsarina has tuberculosis and is forced to spend most of her time in the warmer climes of the Crimea, a long way from St. Petersburg.
5: My grandmother's grandfather, Alexander II, he had a mistress while he was married to Empress Maria.
1: Alexander II falls fatefully in love with the 30-year younger Katerina Dolgoruki a seventeen-year-old lady-in-waiting. As the Tsar's mistress, she is installed in a palace in St. Petersburg, where over the following years he spends many evenings. But then the assassination attempts against Alexander begin, and his wife becomes nervous for the safety of her husband as he travels in town.
4: When she really realized that her husband was in danger, she told him to bring Cathy Delgaruki and her children in the palace. And they arranged an apartment of her in the higher reaches of the palace so the Tsar would not have to leave the palace and risk his life in the streets of Petersburg. I don't think a wife can do more than that. That's true love.
1: Queen Victoria has been paralysed by grief since the death of Prince Albert and she has isolated herself from the rest of the world. For years after Albert's death, she still sends letters on black bordered paper. But the establishment of a close relationship to a Scottish manservant, John Brown, slowly helps her recover her interest in life.
3: He followed her down to England from from Scotland. And and stayed with her and sort of entertained her but at the same time was was quite rude at times uh, to her Uh, but she obviously liked him a lot and 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 the way the simple way because he was a very simple peasant
6: Queen Victoria wouldn't say no to a little drink especially in her loneliness and her widowhood and he was a drunker So they would go on picnics with a teapot full of whiskey to hide the unethical drink, and they would drink the whiskey in teacups and enjoying themselves like that. I don't think he was a lover.
5: Queen Victoria was very respected. They were scared of her, actually, I think family was was a bit scared of queen victoria
7: we are not amused One always said that she said and when one said the joke which was a bit too hmm?
1: even though victoria does not appear to have a great sense of humor something
5: is bubbling below the surface queen victoria had a cracking sense of humor she was at windsor dining and she was sitting next to an old very deaf admiral who went on and on with some story about a ship which had sunk off Portsmouth. And the Queen, trying desperately to get him off the subject, asked him about his sister. And he, mishearing, said, well, we had to turn her over, examine her bottom, and give her a good scraping. Whereupon, Queen Victoria disappeared into her napkin, howled with laughter, tears rolling down her cheeks.
1: Victoria manages to regain contact with the rest of the world and she becomes a symbol of the immense British Empire.
2: She was of course the central figure to a large extent in the, uh, in the European history of that uh, period. She had uh, a great influence uh, throughout the whole uh, world. She was very important. She was the
5: last uh, monarch when England still had all the colonies, India and uh, many, many other countries. And I think uh, she was the most important of the last uh, uh, kings of the monarchy as it used to be in the old way.
1: In the Winter Palace, the Russian Empress succumbs to her fatal illness.
6: While the empress was dying on the first floor of the Winter Palace in St. Petersburg, she could hear the children of the mistress running on the floor above her room.
0: When she died, then uh, Alexander II, uh, shortly after, married his uh, mistress.
1: The Tsar's family is shocked by his new marriage.
6: The whole family, the children of the deceased Empress, thought that she was an intriguer, the second wife, an ambitious woman, a nasty woman who had killed the mother because of the grief that she imposed on the mother.
1: Alexander II intends to modernize Russia and together with his brother, he draws up a new constitution which is very similar to the British.
2: It was uh, going to have free elections, it was going to have members of parliament and uh, everything that is, uh, uh, let's say, valuable for the beginnings of a new democracy.
6: They both read the project and they were delighted. And the Tsar put the project in his pocket and said, tomorrow it will be published.
1: But later the same day, things go wrong when Alexander is driving along the Katerina Key near the palace. An assassin throws a bomb.
4: The bomb exploded some meters from the carriage and did not even hurt the emperor, but killed one or two Cossacks that were uh, following the
2: carriage. The guards asked the emperor to uh, remove himself from the scene as quickly as possible, but he wanted to go and give assistance to the people who were wounded or killed. And then there was another anarchist who dropped a second bomb and that killed him. And they found in his uh, coat the new constitution of Russia
1: The same day his son, now Alexander III, is declared as the new Tsar, and Christian IX's daughter
6: is now Tsarina of Russia. He took out the project of a constitution out of the pocket of his father and torn it to pieces, and that was the end of any project of reform and to have a constitutional monarchy in Russia.
2: It's one of the big ifs of history what would have happened if. Uh, uh, Alexander II had been successful in uh, putting forward the new uh, liberal constitution of Russia.
0: a quarter of a century, Fredensborg
1: Palace is the most international court in Europe.
5: The gatherings in Denmark,
6: the Fredensborg and so on, were enormous family gatherings. They were of course the Danes, the Greeks, us, uh, the Russians, the English, the Hanoverians, and also the French.
7: They loved to talk together because uh, at that time it, the traveling was quite uh, something. It was far. there was no planes. So when they gathered, they had many, many things to talk about.
1: Christian and Louise's grandchildren are always at the centre of these gatherings.
6: They had invented a bicycling club, and they had asked the Tsar, the uncle, Alexander III, to be the head of the club. And they said in the letter that they suspected that he was too fat to climb on a bicycle. And he pretended to be absolutely furious by this incident, but yet he accepted.
0: It becomes a tradition that the palace guests scratch their names into
1: the windows with a diamond. But some write more than just their name.
3: One says, "Um, that's what you are, just an old pig. And then the other one next to it writes slightly different writing with a drawing of a cat, cat's bottom, that's you. (laughs)
1: Christian's daughter, Alexandra, always turns up with numerous suits for her father. But the king prefers to wear his old familiar clothes, so his wardrobe ends up containing countless number of suits he never wears. After 60 years on the throne, Queen Victoria can celebrate her diamond jubilee. A never-to-be-forgotten day. No one ever, I believe, has met with such an ovation as was given to me, passing through those six miles of streets. Before leaving, I touched an electric button by which I started a message which was telegraphed throughout the whole empire. It was the following. From my heart, I thank my beloved people. May God bless them. Four years later, in 1901, Queen Victoria dies, aged 82. For her final journey, the Queen travels with memories from her entire long life. Everything from rings, bracelets and necklaces, to handkerchiefs and photographs. Fulfilling the wishes of his Queen, her doctor places a photo of her friend, John Brown, in Victoria's hands. In Denmark, after 56 years of happy marriage, Christian IX has lost his influential queen, Louisa. The couple's six children are now all well-married, and Christian now has sons and daughters-in-law and grandchildren in all Europe's major royal houses. In 1906, the 87-year-old King Christian dies suddenly. After his morning audiences, he retires to his bed. When his daughter Dalma looks in on him a few hours later, he is no longer alive. All the bells in the country announce that the father-in-law of Europe is dead. Copenhageners queue patiently in the rain for hours for a chance to pay their final respects to their king. In the following programs, each episode will focus on one of Christian IX's children, and we will follow their and their descendants' lives up to the present-day royal family. The next episode concerns Christian's eldest son, who marries a Swedish princess, and whose descendants end up on the thrones of Denmark, Norway, Belgium, and Luxembourg.
7: Uncle Goggi took his teeth off his mouth and started to run after me and to put his teeth into my decollete. So I said, Uncle Axel, Uncle Axel, save me from Uncle Goggi, that old man who wants to throw his teeth into my decollete. That was my first impression of the Scandinavian family.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the History Express podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please look in the show description notes for a link that will allow you to help support the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, have a great day.